It's the Machine of Nonsense, episode 71, and we're talking Bruce Willis today. We are building a Bruce Willis Hall of Fame. Before we get to that, let's introduce everyone. I'm your host, Eric, joined as always by Kayla. Hey, hey. And we've got fresh from the lands between 113 hours, but tarnished no more, Michael Nelson. I'm free. <laughs> I am the Elden Lord, and I'm finally free. <laughs> and fresh from a different type of lands between big old Disney World. How are you, Aaron? Welcome back. Hello. How was the trip, man? Uh, it was a lot of fun. I didn't expect to really enjoy it because I hate crowds and other people and rides <laughs> and, but uh it was it was a lot of fun disney is a really really cool place so i really like that hell yeah and also it's a huge letdown i can tell you that one. Oh really wow yeah yeah it was it was pretty awful and you went to oh, the no. parks in florida right yeah yeah we went to disney world and uh universal studios orlando nice Nice. So, yeah, so me and Kayla sense. have been to to the Universal in in Florida a couple times, and uh, for the most part, really in, enjoyed it. Like uh, like some of the Harry Potter rides and stuff. I think I would have. Well, yeah, I got a story about that. But uh, I think I would have liked Universal more had I went there first. Mm. Um, you go there after Disney, and it just seems dirty. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. Because in Disney, they've got employees out there swooping up leaves off the sidewalk. At Universal, there's like milkshakes sitting upside down on the ground. <laughs> um, everything's so expensive. I looked it up, and like out of all like the biggest theme parks in the U.S., Universal has the cheapest tickets, but overall the highest cost to visit. Oh, interesting. Um, so like, whereas like Disney, I don't know if you guys saw like I was posting the food I was eating there. Like plates of food there are all like six or seven dollars. Where at Universal, I paid nineteen dollars for a chicken sandwich that sucked. Gotcha. And that's kind of how all of Universal is. And then that was my ex- I uh, I was super excited about seeing the Harry Potter stuff. I thought Diagon Alley was a huge letdown. It just seems like a cheap movie set. <laughs> Um, and then when you, I thought they would be individual shops, but really they're just multiple doors that lead to one hard to navigate store mm-hmm. where everybody's just in your way and the employees are rude. And like, that was my whole experience with that. Um, I liked, uh, hogs meat a lot better. So we, were, we got, we bought tickets for two days to universal and we were like, um, the people we were with, we were there with my mother-in-law my brother-in-law, my sister-in-law, and they wanted to see the rest of the park. So we said, we'll just do, we'll look at the Harry Potter stuff and then we'll go on the Harry Potter rides the second day. So we spent the whole first day there and it was okay for the most part. The Simpsons area is really cool. And then, um, it was really, really hot and it was supposed to thunderstorm all the morning the second day. So we're like, we'll just go in the afternoon and get like four hours in, just do Harry Potter stuff and leave. So we pay, you know, $30 for parking. And then uh, we go in the park. We're there for 20 minutes. And they shut the whole park down because they had a graduation event that was not posted anywhere or told us about. So we went in there. They let us pay for parking. And then they kicked us out immediately. 
Jeez. Oh. I, would've, I would've been pissed. Oh, yeah. So that's that was like right before we were getting on the, uh, we were going to go on the Harry Potter ride, and he's like, you guys have bracelets? I'm like, no, I, I paid for a ticket. Yeah. He's like, oh, no, we have a, it's a graduation event. We're closing the whole park to anybody who doesn't have a bracelet at 6 o'clock. So it was, it was, that was just so awful. And then like, um, Megan was in contact with them to get our, like our money back and stuff. And like, they're like, well, it was a one-time curse. It will refund your money. But some people like to come to our park an hour before we close. I'm like, right. who does, nobody need- does that. It takes longer than an hour to walk where you're going. Like, Yeah, but I should also like n- know that ahead of time. Right. <laughs> yeah, there was nothing posted. They didn't tell us when we paid for parking. Um. We were there the entire day before. They didn't have anything posted, so it was just that you know, that part of it just kind of ruined Universal for me. Damn. <laughs> but Disney World's really great. I, <laughs> <laughs> the Disney World ride was a lot of fun. Uh, I don't normally go on rides, but that the one was Simpsons fun. Simpsons ride is not fun. I would not recommend that one. Whew. Like uh, we did the thing that shakes with the screen. Yes, the one with the baby so, powder. Oh. I don't I don't know the baby powder, but I so I went on the uh it was one of those four D or whatever ones and I went with my brother in law, my sister in law and my son Parker. And uh I just had my eyes closed the entire time. I hated it. It was the worst. I absolutely hate fast rides or things I can't get out of, so it was just the worst. I hated that. We um we went on we, a couple years back. We were there, and um, there's a a mummy ride, and I'm like, oh man, cool! It's it's the mummy, and you go in, and um, it's like in a pyramid. You can't see it from outside. Right. It's so cool, and it like it's it's great. You're like in the mummy's pyramid and everything else, and you're just like walking through, and there's just cool cool shit. It's just like really the production values real cool, and you kind of get to the end of the line and everything else, and. And it's just a fucking big ass roller coaster in pitch black. Uh, and they do one of those. So, you know, I'm also not a, a big like ride, at least not a roller coaster. Like I, I, I like rides for the most part, but like a, a, a legit roller coaster, not my not, not my cup of tea. Um, so we get on, you know, I'm, we're, I've already walked for an hour in line. Yeah, we're going to ride this ride, you know, so me and Kayla get on and we go through and they do that asshole thing where they take your picture, you know, while you're at like the final big drop or whatever else. And, you know, somewhere in their database, there's a very unflattering picture of uh, uh, the host of the machine of nonsense. So um, that's great. He was picture a bald Eric Fisher just just oh, all the up there in the corner, yeah, just, oh God, you know, one of, the, one of those. So yeah, um, I want to splash mountain. So there's like a there's a very terrified picture of me too. Uh, what's really cool now? If you got the Disney app and you turn on your like NFC, the near field thing, um, and it's all set up, they'll send the picture to your phone with like a watermark asking if you want to buy. It's like seventy dollars though, yeah. but. Um, so it was pictured me on that, and then uh, we did some other rides too. Uh, we went on a super funny ride. So we were in Animal Kingdom, which honestly, that's the worst park at Disney because it's just like a disorganized zoo without that many animals. <laughs> but um, we went on like a water ride. It's like one of those rafts where you bounce around and then you go down like a little drops. And Lucy loved it. So when we were at Universal, we went on the. There's a Popeye version of it. We went on that. 
and it was so much more intense. And we're telling her like, "Oh my god, I think it's over," because she's crying the whole time. And then we start going like up one of those things where it's pulling you up, and she's like, "Oh please no!" Oh no! Oh no! Well, if it makes Lucy feel any better, I I feel like that probably came out of my mouth like multiple times in that mummy ride. <laughs> Kayla, yeah. make it stop, you know that kind of thing. Oh, I'm. Oh. Rides are terrifying. I don't know. I don't get how people go on them. Yay. Parker, Parker wanted to go on everything. He tried. He tried to convince us to let him go on the. Uh, I don't know if you have, if it was there when you guys are the Velocicoaster, which online says is like the most terrifying roller coaster in the United States, and it's like the fastest one in the United States. And is that like a Jurassic World yeah. one? Yeah, I it was. I think it was brand new when we had like been there and we did i did not go on i don't think you did either kid oh. he really wanted to go on it but he's so like little and it looks like he just i don't know so we're like no you can just go on a different one he went on every other ride but he couldn't we wouldn't let him go on that one yeah. i remember being a kid and we'd go to the the parks and stuff for vacations and stuff i got my sister's like five years younger than me you know this little girl and she's super brave she loves all the rides and stuff and i've always been the same like Nah, not really my thing, man. Not really. And, you know, and then you got this like eight year old girl, you know, just loving every minute of it. And and then, you know, Ma's like, fucking, come on, come on, your little sister's like, you know, don't be a fucking wuss. And uh, that was great. That was a great childhood, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, my whole family would all go to Six Flags, and my sisters would go on every ride, and my cousins would. And I'd have to hold everybody's shit while they went on rides. And <laughs> so they're like, they paid for me to go eat a hot dog and just push carts around with people's stuff in it. Like, that's all I did at those places. It's an important responsibility, you know? <laughs> those lockers are expensive, you know? If you try to, like, find <laughs> a locker at one of those places, Jesus. <laughs> Uh, Mike has recently completed uh, a theme park of his own. Uh, made mention of, of Elden Ring. 113 hours, I think you said, was your, your full playthrough. Uh, what was that like, man? A um, lot of peaks and valleys. Lots of... When you're ex- exploring like the big legacy kind of dungeons, like the big areas, Louis. Luenier, Luarian, whatever the magic place is called, and <laughs> uh, the capital, and stuff like that. It, it's it really got got me back into the game, and then I don't know. It just I was just ready for it to be over, and I was kind of rushing through the last uh, few areas. Um, I re- I really like the game overall. It's just so much of it. There's so, so, so much. I'm ready to move on and, and play something else. I've kind of been just uh, playing through Chrono Cross now and uh, started Tunic. Mm. And uh, yeah, caught some new some new flicks. Uh, the new Jackass, finally. Awesome. Really enjoyed that. Had to to buy that through Amazon. It's it's on Paramount. If you have subscription to that. Um, saw the new Scream. Enjoyed yeah. enjoyed that. Not as much as Jackass, but also on Paramount. Really? You're just a Paramount guy. I had Paramount, so that's where I watched. <laughs> that's where I watched Scream. But had to rent that one as well. Um, and uh, that's about it for me. Um, how f- how far are you guys in Elden Ring now? You guys just hit fifty two hours. Uh, and um. 
exploring Kalid right now more thoroughly. Uh, kind of rushed through, beat the boss there and stuff kind of early on, and um, didn't explore, and now exploring. Uh, beat the the rot dragon, or I think it rotting dragon or something uh, today. So that was kind of cool. That 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 guy sucks. He like. I don't know if he's called the rotting, decaying dragon, something like that. He he spritz out a lot of like scarlet rot stuff, and he sucks. He's, he's yeah. Rich, but I don't know if I found that one. I fought a lot of dragons. He's like right <laughs> in the middle, like um, yeah, he's right in the middle of that red area at the bottom right. Like he's just right. Yeah. He's just sitting there, and then uh, you can walk around him a lot. He doesn't really mess with you until you try to fight him. So. Yeah, he's kind of like in a ring of kind of hills and. If you go into the ring, he's ready to fuck, and you know if if you stay out, uh, he's he's laying laying down. I fought him when yeah. I was like super overpowered. I was like level hundred when I fought him, oh, so he wasn't that bad. <laughs> wow. Okay, I, uh, so you're over level hundred then, Aaron. <laughs> I did Kalid kind of like right after Stormvale, like brute forced my way through it, and I think that kind of not ruined the the rest, but like. Kaelid's supposed to be kind of a late game area that you go to, and uh, everything else was just like a breeze uh, after that. I, I I wish I could have maybe would have done things in a different order. Maybe maybe it would have been different. But you never uh, know. If the game had any sort of guidance, <laughs> maybe you would have. Right. How how many hours are you no. into it now, uh, Aaron? It's hard to tell because I have a habit of pausing or going somewhere and then going to sleep. (laughs) So it probably says like 200 hours, but it's more realistic, probably about 100. Wow. Nice. That's just me because I've never played one of these games before. I spent so much time just trying to get the hang of it and just like walking around like it looks like there should be something here. And then there's not. So like I spent a lot of time just walking. I hate riding the horse. So everything takes me a lot longer. Hmm. So, oh, I love Torrent. It's right fighting from fighting the horse is too awkward when you use both melee and magic. Like having to try to keep switching weapons to your uh-huh. dominant hand is is pretty annoying. So, yeah, I've I've run into that same thing. I I don't mind doing melee from the horse, but doing magic from the horse is just bad. right, especially the bigger spells because like um. If you do a lot of the gravity magic, like the uh, when you lift the big three rocks and you throw it, oh, yeah. well, if you th- if you do it from the ground, it goes really far and it's really targeted. If you do it from the horse, it goes like twenty feet in front of you and falls. So, the only time magic, the only time I ever do that is usually dragons, so I can get away from breath attacks, and um, that's really about it. It doesn't really come up too much other than that. Yeah, some of my favorite moments are just like. Going through like the dilapidated magic city and just just hot, running through on my horse and dodging magic. And just, like, the first ten hours of that game, like I gotta get stuff. Just oh yeah, yeah. The game was early on was just yeah, grab and run, get some cool stuff, get killed by a locust weird thing that shoots webs at you or something. And, oh man. Well, speaking if of that dying, game would... oh, no, what go were you going to say, ahead. Mike? No, no, no. It's going to be a bad I, I uh, think, transition. I think if... I don't know. I, I remember talking about when we first saw the Elden Ring like reveal gameplay and like, I don't know if 
if it, if I'm gonna like a big open world kind of experience with this compared to a tighter Dark Souls or Bloodborne map, and uh, I still I think I like both of those games more than than Elden Ring just just for that that fact of find the secrets in that game were more uh, linked together, like they made more sense than than they do in Elden Ring for me. Still like it a lot, but not it doesn't doesn't compare to, to old old bloody bloodborne. I was just having that kind of conversation. Was it this morning or last night, Kalo, when we were talking? Um, I think you had asked me, like, you know, where does it compare to the other Soulsborne games? And I think I said, you know, Bloodborne's still number number one. Elden Ring hasn't really, um, you know, dropped it from that. I yeah. think the open world just kind of dilutes it so much. I mean, there's so much more to do. It, it can be beneficial, but like Aaron said earlier, there's really no guidance. There's just a whole bunch of stuff. You don't know where you're going. You could choose to go a way that would benefit you, but you never know what way to go. Yeah, it's tough. Like, it, it, it doesn't play to my kind of gaming tastes in, in a lot of ways. You know, I'm I'm a big fan of linearity in, in games in general, and um, this is the least linear game that I can think of. But uh, yeah. still, I, I'm in, in the same boat. I, like, I'm enjoying it, like, minute to minute. I, I, I don't want to put it away at 52 hours still, and that says something. So, I really like the world. I like the lore. I like I'm piecing together the story now. I'm watching, you know, people are posting videos and stuff like that. And, uh, I've really, this is the one, one of these games where that stuff has stuck with me. I couldn't tell you anything about the story in Bloodborne and Dark Souls, really. <laughs> uh, but this one, I kind of, have a, a decent grasp on it and uh i i think the george R. R. martin influence is is all over it but a lot of a lot of people like oh i don't think he did i think he wrote like the names or something you know <laughs> came up with that but i think it's pretty similar to to throne there's a lot of thrones in there that i that i see and uh just how how the map works just how like landell's just like king's landing and like mm everything kind of works up towards this, you know, the earth tree. Stuff any, like uh, any cut scene. I'm like, all right, here, here comes George RR. We're going to get George RR right here in this cut scene. <laughs> and, uh, we haven't, I don't think, I don't know. I don't, I, I have not found much of, of no? that yet. I'm, I'm pretty much in the dark for the most part on, um, I've been real <laughs> interested. I want to check out like some lore videos and stuff. I always like beating a, a, Dark Souls game and and digging into the lore um cuz the only one I've ever really front to back kind of understood where what I was doing was Sekiro um that that had much more of like a defined story cuz you were a character as opposed to it was an RPG so you know you you had a character and you were following his story um yeah you know this one is definitely more along the dark souls bloodborne path for me where i'm just like okay fighting this thing it's cool it's i love this area i love all this stuff and i'm sure there's some great story behind it but i don't i haven't found it yet i don't know we'll get good with ah, with well story right. <laughs> another 50 hours and uh i'll be there i'm sure um 
like 100. I still don't. I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> well, I'll be able to watch a lore video once it's done. Yeah, so. I think I'm gonna just do that. I lost Steam. I was playing it pretty heavy. Then I went to Disney World and I came back and I can't focus on it anymore. I started playing XCOM 2 again. <laughs> nice. Uh, a Dark Souls game in its own right, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. That's what I've always said. Uh, so I'm gonna use that same transition. Uh, speaking of dying. Uh, Die Hard, there's five of them, uh, and Kayla and I watched them all. Uh, what did you think of our Die Hard marathon, Kayla? I enjoyed it. It was uh, kind of my... I've only seen number two prior to this. Oh, wow. So which weird. I weirdly thought was the first one the whole time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the the first couple more than the last two. You didn't like uh live free or die hard. The Justin long one. It, I, I didn't not like it. I just liked one, two and three more. Sure. It's a big like change. Honestly, like the first three came out, you had like 88, 90 and 95 and they kind of feel real connected Similar. in a lot of mm -hmm. ways and then you had the big time jump to 2007 in live free or die hard and it feels very 2007 like it's all it tech does. stuff and hackers and and stuff like that raise but, your cell phones yeah uh the fifth one i don't think either of us really <laughs> understood i think like i don't know it was it was a weird movie yeah it was my least favorite had it's some long been... blinks happen in there, like, oh shit, what happened? My <laughs> eyes were closed too long. <laughs> Honestly, they're too married to like the the whole twist of it all. Like I I don't know that I noticed it as much because I've seen the first four several times before this marathon we did. And I guess I didn't remember. I always remember the twist in the third one, um, like the double cross and everything, or the double, the switcheroo, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I f kind of forgot that in in one, there's there's a there's a twist, there's a uh, you know a series of events, and then two as well, and then they just kept on keeping on with that. In 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 like five had some weird double crosses and stuff that just like, why, why is this happening? So it's like, they were too married to that concept. Like, Oh, if it's a diehard movie, there has to be a weird, like, Oh, you think the bad guy is, is trying to do this. Um, but they're actually trying to do something else. And in, in like in three, I think it works really well. And in some of the other ones, not, not as much like even the first one, um, they like purposely need the FBI to, cut the power and they just assume that the FBI is going to do that. Um, and, and that's the only way the they whole can plan. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, well, well, they got lucky. Yeah, sure. The FBI did it, but like, I don't, I don't think they could have, uh, just assumed that that was going to happen, but kind of weird. But we did this because we wanted to watch uh, Bruce Willis Marathon. Yeah, yeah. Bruce. We we want to create a Bruce Willis Hall of Fame. Um, we got some bad news recently that, that Bruce is uh, retiring due to some health issues he's have, some cognitive uh, disorder he's 
kind of dealing with and and me and Kayla kind of went across his IMDb page and we're like, man, he's got 144 credits. A lot of that in the back end of his career has been kind of like these B movies straight to to video and stuff, but like the first 100 or so credits that he has, like he's had a really amazing career. So we thought like Let's let's talk about Bruce a little bit. Let's create a Hall of Fame, maybe a top five or something, um, and really kind of celebrate what's been a really kind of interesting career. A, a dude who's more than just like diehard action star guy. Um, so I guess starting, I'll start with you, Aaron, if, if you want. Like, um, what what do you think of Bruce Willis overall? Like, do you have any like, what's your favorite Bruce Willis flick? He's in is probably lucky number seven, honestly. Which is you know, a little bit things he's got probably ten lines in that entire movie, but and like six of them are in the first five minutes. But it's a terrible movie, and even him just quietly standing there in some scenes is just so meaningful. I I love that movie so much. Um, I don't really like action movies, like as much as Die Hard might be a Christmas movie or whatever. It's still I don't I don't get a rise out of people running around with guns and explosions. I don't think that's fun to watch really. So like a lot a lot of stuff like that I'm not into, but I like I like other stuff that he's in that's I like when he does funny stuff, like the whole nine yards was pretty good. Um uh I'm a big fan of uh Over the Hedge, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um Sin City, that was pretty cool when he was in that, but yeah. Yeah, I think Lucky Number Eleven is a good, good place to kind of start because he does have these like little bit parts in a lot of stuff. Like he'll just jump in and like chew scenery for one or two scenes, and and I kind of like that part of of his career, like that aspect of of his career. And that's a good, good like movie to to talk about, um, as opposed to something where he just like stars in the whole thing. Um, that's pretty cool. He does have such a um, a style to the way he like delivers lines, whether they're serious or like a complete comedic take on something serious. He's just got like a certain finesse about the way he delivers lines. How about you, Mike? What uh, what are some of your favorites? Uh, probably the two movies I saw him in first were North and Look Who's Talking. Or heard him first in that one, and uh, you don't know if he had turned him into a baby or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a big transformation for Bruno there, uh, as Mikey. And uh, look who's talking. Uh, really, just in both of those movies, you get to see like the the more comedic touch, lighter touch that he has that that works so well with him. Uh, North, he's kind of that's it's a it's a movie starring Elijah Wood where he like divorces his parents, uh, played by Louis Louis Dreyfus and uh, Jason Alexander from Seinfeld, and he's like a free agent and he can become like he's looking for new parents and uh, Bruce is kind of his Jiminy Cricket, his conscience and in, in that and he's always popping up at every lo new location that he's trying out, uh, not as the same person. He's like a completely different character every time and he's just. Uh, just giving him little little bits of knowledge in that, and look who's talking. Of course, he, he he's a he's the voice of a baby <laughs> in, in the first two of those. Um, and 
Of course, you know, some ones we've talked before on this pod for a long time, you know, Fifth Element, Total Classic. Um, Pulp Fiction. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Love Pulp. And uh, I wanted to bring up uh, a non-movie thing that he he did, a game that I owned, uh, PS1's Apocalypse. Oh, boy. Uh, It was a uh, third-person shooter game that he uh stars in like he's his likeness is in the game and uh was not a great game had a lot of fun uh (laughs) time putting cheat codes in with that but uh probably the first time i ever seen like someone i recognize like in a game you know like a um, full-blown actor interesting yeah yeah it was a weird sci-fi game like someone summoning the four horsemen of the apocalypse and you're stopping them <laughs> that uh developed by neversoft they went on to do oh, wow. uh tony hawk right after that so that was like the same engine as the tony hawk engine and stuff and it was cool That's to strong. see strong. Yeah. So. man i wonder if uh if there's like a um a 3d model of bruce somewhere in the back end of like tony hawk 2 or something that would be fun <laughs> like yeah yeah that it really they captured him very well i remember just like yeah that's bruce willis holy shit even on this like old school hardware like they did a, they did a pretty good job they made six pixels look just like him it's uh it's really good <laughs> <laughs> it's it really shows bruce's range you know when, right. when six p- pixels can capture you they didn't have to really focus on the hair with him so you know they're right, yeah. really, the hardest part really get that that face yeah i love it i love it yeah i i like that you've both brought up like his some of his comedic roles and that's the thing like he kind of came up as a lot of people think of him now as oh bruce willis the action star but like really he got his start and like his his star was kind of built by his comedic roles and i've heard so much about how he's like he's super improvisational uh he just like makes up his own lines and stuff even in these action movies like Die Hard and and stuff like that, but especially when he's doing more more comedic roles, and I think that's an underrated aspect of of Bruce. Is like, yeah, he's a pretty funny, dude. Like, and and he's been been funny for a long time. Um, in in a lot of different things. Um, did we mention the Fifth Element? I don't know if we we spent enough time on, on that one. Yeah, we mentioned what a, it. I've never heard of that one. Yeah, mm. right. I know. I also forgot to say Unbreakable, which <laughs> definitely you have six cents too. Right. Well, even with Unbreakable, like I've seen with Lucky Number Eleven, um, so much of that movie is just his presence in the room with his facial expression, and that's like all of Unbreakable is just the energy he's releasing, and then he whispers a line and just kills the scene, so it, like makes it amazing. So I I like that aspect to him a lot. I think it's one of my favorite in Unbreakable. It's just after the beginning because the beginning starts with, um, you know, like the train crash and everything else. And they're they're um, you you're seeing him. He's talking with like a a doctor or something, or it might be a police person because because they're at like the hospital and they're kind of interrogating him because he's like the only one who has survived this thing. And they kind of they say. It is is it's exactly what you were saying. His presence because he's not really talking. He's not really answering them too much. The the doctor, the 
I think it might be a cop or something that's like, like kind of talking. It's an ER doctor who's violating HIPAA stuff by yelling his stuff out in front of everybody. But yeah, <laughs> you're probably right. And and it kind of pans over, and they say like, you know, uh, after a couple minutes from now, you're gonna be the sole survivor of that like train crash because like the other person is just like mangled. Like you just see like a a sheet over them, and the, like blood is kind of pooling on the sheet, and it's just like a cool ass scene that. And it really highlights exactly what you said. Like Bruce is basically not even like, he's doing it all with his face there and his presence. Um and it it's just one of the coolest like scenes I think I've ever seen in like a horror esque or adjacent kind of movie. Um I like his work with, with Shyamalan in general. Like I think I I wasn't spoiled on on the like after credits of, of Split. Uh so I I like saw that as it was going on and I was like, oh shit. Okay. That's, that's really cool. Um, and that little like mini universe inside of the M night Shyamalan films is, is, is a lot of fun. Uh, even though that third one was glass was, you know, not great. Yeah. That was rough, right? Yeah. It was unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, you, on paper, it sounds like, so like it would be great because I, I really, really enjoyed split both as like the movie and I thought James McAvoy was really, really cool in that movie. And it was like, Oh, you're going to get more of James McAvoy. And they tried to, in like, I feel like they tried to make it too much like MCU too much, like a superhero movie as opposed to a, a thriller, you know? Um, and it just kind of, it didn't know what it wanted to be in a lot of ways. Right. I think. Well, I think it got a little too like self-aware and like meta about it. And it was just, cause then it's, it's, you've got, when you got like the three of them sitting next to each other and you're trying to like accept them all as this character, but none of them are playing it the way they played it in their respective movies. And it just, it, it watches like if somebody got the green light to make a fan fiction of unbreakable into a movie. And that's what it seems like to me. True that. Have you guys seen um, Death Becomes Her? Oh, yeah. I think that's the first movie that I ever saw Bruce in, because I I feel like I saw that movie right around when it came out. That's a 92, so I was like five, six years old when when I saw that movie. Um, How old are you? (laughs) You're old as shit. I was born in 87. You're so old. Yeah, I mean, it happens. But, uh, yeah, so I, I saw, you know, as a young man, probably didn't appreciate, like, the humor aspect as much, but I, like, it's got some really cool 1992, like, practical effects and stuff, yeah. and, um, I've, I've just kind of always enjoyed the Robert Zemeckis films, like, in, in general, I just, I mean, like, everything he's, he's done, I've kind of, I've kind of dug, and, um, and that's just one of them, I think, it, and what a cast, like, Goldie Hawn, and, and Bruce, and Meryl Streep, and it's just, like, wow. it's real fun, it's a fun concept, too, like, I don't know, do, do you know yeah. that movie at all, Aaron? I've never even heard of it. Oh, wow, so, like, uh, Bruce Willis is, is this doctor, um, and he, it kind of invents this serum, this, like, potion that kind of prevents death, um, but it doesn't necessarily prevent like uh bodily damage so uh the two the two female characters Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep have this like long long running rivalry with each other um and they both kind of want to kill each other and they both eventually like take the serum and just do 
crazy shit yeah. to each other, like blowing uh, a hole in in one of them with like a shotgun and and it's it's all played for laughs it's like but it's also this like really kind of gory special effects too um like practical cool. effects it's it's cool yeah. it's a fun movie um i don't know if it holds it's up like I a live action looney tunes or something it is it's very much like i forget i think it's is it goldie hawn who falls down the stairs and is like all uh, I thought that was Meryl. I thought Goldie oh. got the big hole through her stomach. I think and I you're right. Meryl got her neck all like twisted yeah. around. She has to, you know, twist it back. And yeah, as a kid, seeing that stuff is is awesome. It yeah. was real cool. Yeah, I I want to dominate that one. If if we end up doing like a top five or something, uh-huh. I, that's just a I don't know. That's a cool kind of. I don't know if it's a deep cut, but it's a deep cut for me. Um, it's pretty yeah. cool. That's a good one. Uh, um, so, uh, speaking of movies where he plays a doctor, when I was about 12, year old, 12 years old, I had those Stars channels that you got for free. And mm. uh, this is, you know, middle of the 90s when erotic thrillers were a thing. Ooh. And I, I happened to see The Color of Night, which you, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen that one. No, I haven't. Um, it is an hour and a half of Bruce Willis just fucking. Uh, with a really bad story, you see the tip of his penis at one point, and it's floating in the water. Uh, <laughs> well, I, yeah, it's a you know, <laughs> um, it's, just, it's such a it's such a bad story. It's like everything about the movie is just really bad. It's one of the movies where he has hair, so you know it can't be that good. Um, and <laughs> but it's just it's just like a really bad story, where like. He's a therapist, and he's got this patient, and then he's also, like, I'm pretty sure that's the one he's sleeping with the whole movie, so obviously he's a terrible doctor, too. (laughs) And then, like, there's this person killing people, and, like, oh, my God, big twist. It's the patient wearing a wig. Like, it's so, like, goofy, and it's just an excuse to see him fucking for an hour and a half, and then, like, they peppered in a little bit of story. It's, like, eyes wide shut, you know, like... (laughs) So, what so you're I... nominating for yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I saw. I mean, the, his penis is in it. I mean, what else am I supposed to say? One of my favorite um, podcasts is how does it, how does this, how did this get made? Uh, I should probably know the name of the podcast. Um, so it's, it's hosted by Paul Shear, uh, the actor, comedian. And um, they recently did an episode on The Color of Night. So... Uh, even if, you know, I, whatever you feel about Paul Shear, I would suggest checking that out, Aaron, just because, yeah. um, it's, it's real good. It's real good. I've, I've checked out every single one of their, their episodes. So I, I really dig that, but it's, they always, they just take like B movies or bad movies and just like rip them to shit. Um, and, <laughs> and that was recently one that they, they did. So, um, that was the first time I had ever heard of it until you said like, you've seen it. So that's, that's real fun. Yeah. It was, um. It was the first of live experiences for me, I tell you, when I was, uh... <laughs> I think it was my first experience with graphic movie. <laughs> but, uh... It was the cover, I the cover for lot. this movie is steamy. Oh, yeah, the whole movie is steamy. I'm surprised they... <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't have to wipe off the cameras every few minutes. It's, uh... I want to say it was originally NC-17, and then, like, the theatrical cut of it ended up like being R. I think they mentioned that on how did this get made? Um, I can, I can definitely see that. It it was, it was still a little much for even R like it's, 
It's rough. <laughs> Got to weight down that dick. Can't see right. that. <laughs> put some rocks I, on it. I like how they, they're cutting out stuff to make it down to R, but they did not cut out Bruce Willis's dick. <laughs> hey, good. Good for them. You know? Well, and then there's another scene where they're in a bathtub together, and he's got a toy tank that he's just driving all over her body. <laughs> yeah, so that's that movie. <laughs> Man, who among us, though? I mean, you know, no, I'm watching. <laughs> oh, so okay, so that's number five on our top five. I guess we'll we'll put that there. Um, what do you guys think? So, uh, I think it was you, Kayla. You mentioned Pulp Fiction. Um, what do we think of Bruce in Pulp Fiction, though? I, I'm personally not the biggest fan of in in what? comparison. I, in comparison, like when I think of Pulp Fiction, I think of Samuel Jackson one, John Travolta two, uh, and then kind of everyone else. Harvey Keitel maybe three. Like oh, and then, I might think of Bruce first. Oh, see, butchers. I'm, I'm like wrong. a boom, Zed's dead, baby. That's like the first thing that comes to my mind. Hey, maybe I'm wrong, you know. You, we, were, we were mentioning like kind of like his facial expressions and stuff. There's that whole scene in the pawn shop where he's looking for a weapon. He's trying to escape or whatever. And just that scene where he starts with a baseball bat. And it's just just his eyes leading you to everything. And he, he gets the chainsaw. And then, you know, he gets that 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 uh, katana off the off the rack there. And it's just really good stuff. He's He's doing great comedic stuff. He's doing great action stuff in that too, in that scene, and I, I think it has to make the list over. I would put it over Diehards and and Fifth Elements and all that myself. Well, Diehard with a Vengeance has to be on this list, right? I mean, it's come on, that movie's fucking great. It holds up. Yeah, him, him and Sam together—that's like the buddy cop pairing of all time. Uh, for me, I don't know. I, but I just love a good murder riddle movie too, like where they're just having to solve these puzzles and stuff, and and develop this rapport on the fly, and they're just screaming at each other, <laughs> like, just getting really frustrated. <laughs> like, fuck you, man! I'm trying. So good. <laughs> um, I, I'm I'm fine with both of those being on the list. I dig it. Aaron, I know you said, you know, you're not the biggest just like dumb action movie, but like Die Hard with a Vengeance. Or, do you like that one at all? Or I saw the first Die Hard when I was a uh, early teenager and then that's it. I haven't seen any of the other ones. Oh, okay. I I give that one a shot. Fun. Yeah, I'd give that one a shot cuz I feel like it it has a link to the first one, but it's you don't even it doesn't you matter. Don't even need to see the other ones, honestly. I feel like it does stand alone in, in a lot of ways. And what is that? Is that like number three or yeah, it's the third it's one. The third one. Yeah, but it just feels like it it stands alone. And Mike said it like it's just a cool buddy cop like uh thriller in in a lot yeah. of ways. Like solving riddles in the city of New York. And I, I would like say like the, just... the twist of it, because there's you know the diehards, like I said, have to have a twist. I think it's the most believable out of anyone. It's it's kind of convoluted and stuff, but it's like, oh yeah, okay. If I because there's a criminal mastermind villain uh, played by um, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Irons. Irons, and he's really good too. If you like oh. Jeremy Irons, he's he's yeah. the bad guy. Um, and and his plot 
it makes sense in a lot of ways. It's big and and kind of like crazy and and twisted, but it it makes sense to me at least. Uh, even watching it yesterday, like I was like, oh yeah, this out of any of these uh, plots, I think this one makes the most sense. Um, I watched that movie for twenty years without seeing the first Die Hard, and it it was I was fine <laughs> not having any connection to to John McClane other than. Then the third entry in the series, I think it works really well without having seen any of the other ones. What do you guys think of uh, Aaron? You brought up Unbreakable, um, but what about The Sixth Sense? Uh, personally, that might be my favorite Bruce Willis movie. Um, and uh, what what's the general thought of of The Sixth Sense around the the team? Aaron, you get started, I guess. Okay. Um... I love horror movies, and that's probably one of the first ones I really got into. Um, it's so good. Like I don't, I never really care about the twist. Like the twist is cool, but like even if he wasn't dead the whole time, the movie would have still been pretty good. So like I, I liked it a lot either way. And it, like as a kid, like you know, I was always watching movies. I was always a fan of like Leprechaun, Child's Play, Friday Thirteenth. Hellraiser stuff like that, but then like that movie, like the scene where he's in the uh, the wardrobe at the uh, the birthday party, that like legitimately like scared me. Like that that scene there, yeah. like it gave me nightmares. I had a uh, I had dreams for years of being locked inside of my silverware drawer. Uh, <laughs> because, I don't know how it fit, but um, just just from that, I think so. Like it, that that movie's done so well, like. And they do it without, like, a lot of movies now, when they want to set a mood, the movie, like, like I'm talking about, like, Pan's Labyrinth, they make it so dark you can't see anything, and then they say they're just setting a mood for it being dark. Whereas this, like, at, most of the scenes are, like, bright daylight, but it's still kind of terrifying, so it's such, I just love that movie so much. Yeah, as a, as a kid, the rule of thumb is, like, oh, it's daytime, nothing scary can happen right. now during the day and then that movie just fucks with everything because <laughs> he'll just be talking to the, oh okay that's been a dead person the whole time yeah, yeah. I, th um, I think out of all of sad Bruce roles like Unbreakable I consider that and Sixth Sense and even Sin City he's just kind of like a defeated old man in that uh, I would put Sixth Sense um, ahead of oh, for sure all of his yeah I love Sixth Sense and then all the, all the, yeah, it's all just perfect. Like the whole movie just comes together so well. Like the whole Misha Barton, um, Munchausen thing, and he finds out that like the, I think that like I said, the twist is like a thing. But like the whole the whole ending part where he flashes back, it's all done so well. Like I'm pretty good at guessing what's happening in movies, and that one I really didn't know. So it started I was also, at like, all. I was also like ten when I saw it, so I gave it to him, But you know. Yeah, same here. Like, I saw it in theaters, so um, I had not been spoiled whatsoever. Didn't really know anything about it. It's hard to, like, think back, but, like, I think I went into that just, like, not even knowing it was a horror movie necessarily, um, and just being, like, uh, I remember the, the kid walking down the hallway, you know, he comes, oh, do you want to see my dad's gun, you know, and then oh, turns no, around yeah. and the back of his head's like missing and just being like, oh, fuck, oh, okay, yeah. this is what I'm watching wow. right now, well, you know. Yeah, like, I, I love how they do all the scenes in that, like, he's at his school and, like, there's people hanging from a, uh, one of the beams in it because that's where they used to hang people and then... 
another part, like a lady is just being nice and helping him, and then she turns and she's an actress who got burned up in a fire. And that that movie's just so good. Yeah, it, it like from those early moments when you first see like some of the ghosts that he's seeing, I remember just the feeling of like tension the rest of the movie. Um, just be like, I, I know, like at, at any point, the next person that this little kid, little Haley Joe Osmond, like talks to may or may not be a ghost and may or may not turn around and like not have part of their body or something, you know, it's just like the rest of the movie. I'm just afraid uh, of, of, of ever, every character. So good. I'm glad, I'm glad everyone feels the same way. Um, uh, that's a, that's another one that makes such good use of his like facial expressions and the way he acts without talking because all the interaction between him and his wife you don't know that he's dead. Sorry, spoilers, I know. But, you know. Uh, you don't know that he's dead. Like, you think they're actually just having this bad communication. And it seems realistic. But no, like, they're not even talking to each other because he's not there. That's, I think that's really well done. That's three on our list? Well, yeah, I, I guess The Sixth Sense, Pulp Fiction, Die Hard with a Vengeance might be might be locked. Um, I know you lo- you really enjoyed Die Hard 3, right, Kayla? When, I when did. we watched through our... Yeah. yeah. And, um... So, yeah, I think those three, um... We maybe have to have the, uh... The Sin City conversation. Tomas specifically said, uh... That that, that was his nomination. He couldn't make the pod, but he said, um... You know, he, he really, really enjoyed, um... Bruce in, in Sin City. I like the movie a lot, but it's such an ensemble. It's such like a yeah. going in different directions, and you're following like um, what's the dude from the wrestler? Uh, Mickey Rourke. Yeah, Rourke. Mickey Rourke for like long periods of time. You're following him, and um, I don't know if Bruce get Bruce gets a lot of screen time, but I don't know if he gets the best screen time in Sin City. I don't. I he don't doesn't know. No. He's just kind of a downer in that movie to me. Like, I don't know. He's just like, he's just like, oh, no, no, I can't. Oh, no, you're, you know, with Jessica Alba's character and stuff. He's just <laughs> compared to like Marv played by Mickey Rourke. And there's just so many fun outlandish out there kind of characters in that movie. Uh, he's way down on the list mm. when when you're when you're going off of that that one, you know. Clive Owen's great in that and mm. so so many fun fun things going on. I I I I say not putting Sin City, especially since they made that terrible sequel movie. <laughs> well Tobas said uh we, we can't even mention it doesn't exist, so um, <laughs> um right. you guys What about Looper? Like Looper. What do you think of Looper? Looper's uh, cool. Aaron. I I've never seen it. Yeah, see, I don't know. I like Looper. I've seen it, but I don't have much of a relationship with it. I feel like I saw it, and it just, like, went in one ear and out the other in in a lot of ways. I thought it was a cool concept, but, like, I just didn't. Like, I like JGL. I I love Bruce, but, like, I don't know. It didn't didn't hit for me Mm. uh, in in a Mm. lot of ways. So, um, Corbin Dallas hits for me, though. uh, You know it hits for me in the fifth element, but that is another where you could make the argument that like, it's such an ensemble and some really awesome, um, you know, like Gary Oldman and stuff steals a lot of that and, and Mila yeah, it's, and stuff. I wouldn't say it's Bruce's best 
performance, but he's enjoyable in it. Oh, he's really good. That first like thirty minutes of it is pretty much just Corbin like in his apartment and shit. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's really good. That that hold up where the guy's trying to hold him up at his doorway, and he just flips it on that guy. You're like, yeah, yeah all right, this is sci-fi John McClane. This this works pretty well. <laughs> I, I like this. So I feel like we could um, we could put the sixth sense, we could put the fifth element, we could put lucky number eleven. And and the whole nine yards and and you just be the numbers uh, <laughs> list, you know. A whole nine yards is good, man. Jimmy the Tulip. He's. I'd. I don't mind that rounding out the five. Honestly, that was around the time as like analyzed. That was it. That or this was the first one. I always get this those. This was uh, the first one, and then that was the okay. second one. But definitely the same time frame. Yeah. Yeah, those weird anti-soprano. Uh, type movies coming out. Uh, I, I preferred whole nine yards compared to analyze this and uh, him and uh, people magazine, sexiest man of the year. Uh, Matthew Perry uh, <laughs> Deep cut. worked pretty well in that. I agree. I, I, Kayla, have you seen the whole nine yards? I have not. Oh, I'll yeah. Oh, it's maybe, maybe that's one that we need to put on, on our backlog. I I like his wife trying to just like Matthew Perry's wife just trying to seduce him to get her to kill her husband, and he's just not that into it. But he'll still just kill him, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just a friendly neighbor, and they're just all terrified of him. And it's just such a good movie. He's really good, and that actually brings me to a point I wanted to make about about Die Hard is. He's got a lot of ladies in Die Hard throwing themselves at him, and he's like the the best like married man. Ever there are like several scenes where women are like, "Hey man, you want to like hang out later?" And he's like, "Ah, I'm married," you know. Like, but it's just it's it's an interesting thing that I picked up on in in like those diehard, especially like the first three. Uh, there are several scenes where people are like hitting on on uh, John McClane. He's like, "There I think Demi Moore had some some you know oh. some rewrites and scripts, you know. Like, hey, let's." <laughs> In his contract, he has to be ultra faithful in all of his movies. Well, it works for me because because of all those things, I enjoy the Die Hard movies more than I enjoy like the uh, 007 uh, James Bond movies. Yeah, it's funny. Kayla made that uh, interesting parallel that I've never thought of. Um, I've never really like compared those two franchises in any way. Um, but yeah, you've got James Bond who's just like, just fucking, you know, just all, all the time and stuff. Uh, and and then you got John McClane, who could be if he wanted to, but uh, he's like, nah. He's nah, busy man. saving the world. Right, I'm busy. Exactly. Like, it's it's, a, it's an interesting parallel. But There's always time for fucking, right? <laughs> <laughs> Bruce made really that clear <laughs> the color of night, okay? <laughs> he made he's, all the time for fucking. He's saving the day. He's breaking his medical ethics, and he's fucking... <laughs> He's he's floating mushroom tips, you know. I don't know. It's water shrooms all over the place. And... Gosh, well, I've got five movies here. How can we leave Color of Night off? This is this is tough. I don't know. Um, what do we feel about a The Sixth Sense, Pulp Fiction, Die Hard with a Vengeance, The Fifth Element, and the whole Nine Yards? Bruce Willis Hall of Fame. Are we missing anything? Are we not? Uh... Now. I've not seen either of these movies, but I feel like you guys are a big fan of Lucky Number Eleven. 
like you I'm never Slevin fan, more than I, I like gold your... line yards. Have you seen Slevin, Mike? I haven't. Oh never man, seen. very very good. Yeah, it's so like it's like a like a noir detective story. The way they talk, like how everything they say sounds super fucking cool. That's mm-hmm. the whole movie, and like it's got twists and stuff, but it's all like oh, like, as he goes like oh that makes sense, that makes sense, and the way everybody like talks is just really clever and it's just it's just so good like just an example is if like when the um two of the gangsters who work for the boss come in and they say you look like the guy who lives here he's like well then you don't know what the guy who looks here who lives here looks like and then like they go back and forth back and forth and when they have nothing else to say they just punch him in the face and take him it's it's just such a good movie everything's so clever it's super clever, and it's and it's a twist movie, and it, it actually now thinking about it, it's like God is Bruce Willis only in movies with like fucking plot twists? Like, is that he's just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take take it if it's got a fucking plot twist. He's just I got one. Oh, go ahead, Kayla. Sorry, he just moves through the actions. He's just a man without a plan who does it. <laughs> I think so. A movie where he does have a plan, and I'm glad I looked at my notes because I I I kind of I kind of like it a lot is uh bandits have you guys ever seen bandits no oh, man that's with sigourney weaver no he and he and billy bob thornton oh uh break out of prison and they start robbing banks and they they like kidnap they go to the bank manager's house the night like on a sunday or, or something and kidnap them and then they go in when the bank is closed and rob the bank that way. And Kate Blanchett's kind of the the lady in that one. And they're both in love with her. And uh, there's a really fun scene where her and, and Bruce are singing Total Eclipse of the Heart through a wall at each other. And they're like connecting for the first time. And uh, I got a real soft spot for bandits. I, I like bandits a lot. <laughs> that is a good one. I like Billy Bob in that one a lot. I, I It's coming back to me. I do, I do like bandits. Yeah, yeah, they're both good in that one. Um, yeah, I think with with like Lucky Number Slevin, he's just not in it enough to be like really, yeah. you know, in comparison to like the whole Nine right. Yards or something. Where he does like, the opening, and like how you talking about like there's twists and stuff. He's never actually a part of the twists. Right. He's he's in the movie, and he's a big factor in every part of it, but. Most, like I said, most of his movie is just him standing there, looking dangerous, and that's like it. His name's so. like Love Cat, right? Something like that. Good cat. Yeah, good cat. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good I cat. remember that. Yeah. Good but cat. It's, like a, it's it's it, it's it's pretty cool. It plays especially with the Stanley Tucci in it, where he says, "Do you know what Slevin means? Bad dog." And boom. Yeah. So. Yeah. Slevin Calebra. What a name. Yeah. Jewish he lent his voice to uh, Beavis and Butthead to America as well, so I I don't want to go without. Done a lot of good voice work, that. Bruce. Yeah, yeah, I was looking at his voice stuff. Like, um, like I, I mentioned over the hedge. He's he's RJ in that, which is like the main character, and it's that I had, my kids were obsessed with that movie when it came out, so I watched it like three times a day for six or seven months, probably. So it's. It's really good. He's really good in that. So that Kevin theater in it. that at the uh, the Kennedy Kennedy Theater. Oh man, <laughs> well, Levine's in it, so of course I I love it. So, uh, 
Yeah, I'm looking through his uh, filmography, and honestly, like anything like after Sin City, I haven't really seen except for like Split and Glass. Mm. Not a lot of hits after. I mean, like he's had a the the back nine has been a little little rough, you know. Um, it's apparently Spike and Rugrats Go Wild. <laughs> I saw that. That's excellent. <laughs> it makes a great Spike. Oh, um. Anything else? I mean, The Sixth Sense, Pulp Fiction, Die Hard with a Vengeance, The Fifth Element, The Whole Nine Yards. It's solid. It's a solid list. Good. Um, we've got a, a. We've got some action. We've horror, got some comedy. comedy. Sci-fi. Yeah, more. Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. It's a good it representation of his work. I dig it. I dig it. Okay. Well, that's the Bruce Willis Hall of Fame, the official one. Uh, hope Bruce gets better, and um, maybe you know this episode will be ridiculous in in a couple years. He's gonna he's gonna have a miraculous recovery, and uh, you know the tenth hole will be uh will be fantastic for for old Brucey. But uh, the whole eleven yards will come out. And... Oh man, <laughs> I watch it. <laughs> so that's the first count. Ten yards is pretty good. I don't remember the second one too much. I don't know. Never okay. saw it. It's not as good. Mm. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Amanda Peet, and she's a big part of that movie. So, Right. Yes, yes. Uh, she's, like, obsessed with him because she's, like, a Hitman fangirl. You see a lot of Amanda Peet, I do remember. Yes. In that first one. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You can see the, the Peets. <laughs> Pete and Peet. <laughs> I never saw that show. Is that what that show's about? Oh, yeah, because yeah. I saw a lot of Pete and Pete, and I didn't see the Pete's. <laughs> oh boy! All right, The Sixth Sense, Pulp Fiction, Die Hard with a Vengeance, The Fifth Element, and The Whole Nine Yards, the Bruce Willis Hall of Fame. That concludes episode 71 of The Machina Nonsense. We had a lot of fun breaking down Bruce Willis's awesome career. Uh, get well soon, Bruce. We love you. Join us on social media. We've got our Facebook fan group, Monstars. We're on Instagram and Twitter as well. Drop us a line. You can leave us a voicemail at anchor.fm slash machine of nonsense. Our next episode, episode 72, I haven't told anyone, but it's going to be a very special episode. I've got a uh, a fun game we're going to be playing. Um, and... Uh, there might be a costume involved, even. We'll see. Uh, maybe get some video going. Um, mild spoilers for episode 72. I'm going to have a lot of fun. Hope you guys do as well. I was your host, Eric, joined by Kayla, Aaron, and Mike for episode 71 of the Machina Nonsense. We're getting out of here, and we're saying... See you, guys. Bye. Bye. Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. Yippee Kaye! Uh, I wish I could remember what he says in the cable versions of that. There's always fun.
I just watched. Uh, um, I've been watching the It's Always Sunny podcast, and they were talking about that, and they played it back, and it's like, uh, it's like UBKA, Mr. Falcon, and it's yeah. like some guy with like a weird accent, and they're just talking about like the sound guy's like, we can't do this. Mr. Falcon just did it over on his own. So good. <laughs>